So that movie is, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? How many of y'all have seen that movie? It's pretty good. It's a good movie. And so, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? is a movie that takes place in rural uh, Mississippi during the Great Depression. Three prisoners escape a chain gang and they go on this epic Homeric journey to evade capture. They get baptized, they record a hit song, all in an attempt by the main character, uh, George Clooney, to prevent his wife from marrying another man. Although that he has been pardoned, they've all been pardoned by um, the governor, the sheriff has caught them, caught Everett and his accomplices, and he's gonna hang them in the woods. In a last ditch effort to remain free and see his family again, in his moment of crisis, Everett says a prayer. He cries out to God, he says, Lord, please look down and recognize us poor sinners. Please, Lord, I just wanna see my daughters again. I've been separated from my family for so long. I know I've been guilty of pride and sharp dealing. I'm sorry that I've turned my back on you, Lord. Forgive me. Help us, Lord. As he's praying, you hear what sounds like crashing in the distance. And before you know it, a huge wave comes and it crashes through the woods. And I know it doesn't look like it from the clip, but it actually saved them and prevented them from, from dying. In his moment of crisis, when he was out of options, Everett cried out to God. I've been there crying out to God as a last resort or saying a finals prayer. You know what that is? Any college students here? See a couple. Finals, finals week rolls around, you hadn't studied. Say, oh Lord Jesus, come on. Turn this 67 into a 94, won't he do it? Come on, Jesus. But in all seriousness, in all seriousness, I've been there. And I believe that, you know, actually we're all there now. People are losing their jobs at a rate equivalent to the Great Depression. People are getting sick and dying from a virus that we have no cure for. There's rumors of food shortages, and I recently read that suicide rates are expected to surge upward for the next few years. A German finance minister actually recently took his life because he was fearful of the economic collapse. A British teenager took her life because of the total isolation. A nurse in Italy committed suicide because she was scared of giving uh, COVID to the other patients. An ER doctor in New York before committing suicide told her sister that it was like Armageddon. People were dying in the waiting rooms. They just couldn't get to them fast enough. This is a crisis. This is a crisis that none of us saw coming. One moment we're going to school and we're going to work and we're eating at restaurants and we're hugging our families and the next minute the world shuts down. And so we are in week seven and wrapping up um, our series here called COVID Christianity. We are living in a historic time. Everything is different. How we shop, how we interact with other people, how we work, even faith is different. Over the last few weeks here at Rooftop, we have been answering the question, what does the Christian life look like during a pandemic? What does compassion look like in a world of suffering? What, is, what does peace look like in a world of panic? And today we're talking about what does prayer look like in a world of crisis? So what do we do? Let's take a look at a passage of scripture where the disciples found themselves in the middle of a crisis. And let's see how they handled it and how we can learn a lot from the disciples in how to pray. So let's turn to Matthew 14, 22 to 33. If you don't have your Bible, that's okay. We're gonna have it up on the screen for you. Immediately, 
He made the disciples get into the boat, this is Jesus, and go before him to the other side. Well, he dismissed the crowds, and after he dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the, on the sea, they were terrified. He said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately, Jesus spoke to them, saying, take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, if it's you, command me to come out onto the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. And when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately, if you've got a Bible, underline that, highlight it, circle it. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased and those in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the son God. So quick recap. The story picks up right after Jesus has just fed 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fishes, right? Two, yeah, fishes, 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 fishes. That's right. Right after two fish. I was wrong both times. Two fish. Right after that, Matthew tells us that Jesus immediately tells the disciples to get into a boat and head on to the other side of the sea. And as they go, he dismisses the crowd and goes up to the mountain to pray. As the disciples are crossing the storm, or see a storm hits, the Bible says they were beaten by the waves. Have y'all ever been to a water park and been in those wave pools? I did when I was little and I just got beaten by the waves. It was like that, but on steroids. The boat was being beaten by the waves. The disciples are sliding around the boat. It's between three and six in the morning. And then they see a figure walking on water. People don't walk on water, so naturally they think it's a ghost. Like, oh, great, we're in a storm, we're getting beaten by the waves, and now a ghost. So the Bible says, they cry out. And Peter says, if it is you, Lord, call me, command me to come out of the water. And Jesus says, come. And as he is walking, he sees the waves and begins to get scared, and he begins to sink. Then guess what he does? The Bible says, he cried out, Lord, save me. Then Matthew tells us Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him. Jesus then gives him another chance at making the varsity water walking team, and they walk back to the boat together. (laughs) Amen. And once they get into the boat, the winds cease, and they make it safely to the other side. They worship him, and they say, this guy's legit. He's got to be the son of God. And we read where the disciples encounter a crisis, and we saw where, where Everett, at the end of his rope in the movie clip, they cried out to God. Praying is talking to God, and sometimes that is crying out. Brother Lawrence was a 17th century German monk, and he said this in his book, Practicing the Presence. We ought to act with God in the greatest simplicity, speaking to him frankly and plainly, and imploring his assistance in our affairs. Speak plainly and frankly. The apostle Paul says in Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Essentially, they're telling us, pray what's on your heart. 
Oftentimes we feel like our prayers have to be long, eloquent, old English, King James words for God to hear us. We have to say, hast and thee and thou. How many of us have ever just said, well, I just, I don't know how to pray. I've heard it a million times. We often feel as though our prayers aren't adequate. And I want to encourage you here that God delights in hearing your prayers. You may not have the most eloquent, beautiful language when you pray, but you don't have to. My nephew, he's about 13 now, but when he was about, I'd say, four years old, he couldn't say the word trash can. He would say crash tran, which is adorable. You know, it's, you know he'd say, oh, you know, the crash tran. And I would say, no, you little idiot. It's a trash can, trash can. No, it was adorable. I delighted in him, you know, saying the wrong words. It was adorable. It was cute. God loves to hear from you, even if you don't have the right words. Come on, somebody. There we go. We practiced, remember? Here we go. That was the, here we go. Y'all will get it. Y'all will get it. We see that in Peter's crisis, he had no flowery language. In the uncertainty, he cried out. In the fear of drowning in the sea, he cried out, Lord, save me. And so my big point today, what I want you guys to get is crisis is our chance to cry out to the God who is always with us. Man, that's good news. We read in the text that as soon as Peter began to sink, he cried out to Jesus for help. And the Bible says immediately Jesus was there. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand. Jesus is not far. Jesus is not distant. The word crisis comes from the Greek word krisis, meaning turning point or critical moment. Your crisis can build or break you. And your crisis is your turning point when you cry out. I love Peter's response to seeing Jesus walking on the water. If it is you, Lord, call me to come out. You know what he's saying there? God, if it is you, show me. God, if you're there, show me. And Jesus says, come. We know that people can't walk on water. Peter's walking on the word that God gave him. Peter's crisis became his turning point. I know that Satan would have loved for that boat to crash and sink. That storm that was intended to take them out actually became the crisis that built their faith. What the enemy sent to take you out, that crisis in your life, that job loss, that sickness, that heartache, that fear, that anxiety can actually be your turning point. Genesis 50, says, as for you, you meant evil, but God meant it for good. Some context, Joseph's brothers and sisters sold him into slavery. I would say that's a crisis. And he becomes second in command in all of Egypt only to the Pharaoh. What was intended for evil? God reaches through the storm. God who walks on water, he calms the seas, can turn it to good. He is not a thousand miles away. He is right there. He is always with you. You are not forsaken. Jesus is there to immediately reach out and grab you when you cry out to him. We may, not, we may feel like our world is ending and it may feel like God is so far away and that God is so distant, but be reminded of this. Psalm 94, 17 says, for the Lord will not abandon his people. Hebrews 13, 5 says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Crisis is our chance to cry out to the God who is always with us. The Apostle John says in 1 John 5, 14, 
And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. God hears us. This is the confidence that we have. This is our hope in crisis that we can pray to him and he hears us. And this can be hard sometimes. I know it's hard to believe this. We are really bad at doing what God has called us to do. I'll put my hand up for that. I know that when it seems like the water is getting into the boat and we're sinking and we're trying to get the water out and we can't get it out quick enough, but we try and we try and we try anyways. Sometimes the hardest thing to do is cry out. Our world is going through a crisis right now. If you turn on the news, we are not handling this well. We're handling this very poorly. We're handling this with anger and isolation and racism. We are not responding well. We are not responding in prayer. I know. I'm the kind of person who has a hard time asking for help. Anybody else? One person. Hey, my guy. I want to do it all myself. I often don't want to ask God for help. My pride hinders me from crying out. So what do we do? How do we pray in a world of crisis? David tells us to the humble he gives favor. James writes, humble yourself before the Lord and he will exalt you. So how do we pray in a world of crisis? Got three points. Learned well from Matt. Three points. I actually got 33. Who wants all 33? (laughs) For the sake of time, we'll, we'll stick to three. Number one, give up your pride. This is my struggle. I don't want to get on my knees and pray to God, Lord, I don't know what to do. I like to have a game plan, and then I like to ask God to help me with my plan that I probably didn't even take the time to consult him about. Something within me prevents me from humbly approaching the throne of God and asking him for help. I'll tell you what it is. It's my pride. I don't like to say I don't know what to do. I don't like to be powerless. I don't like to be vulnerable. It's often our pride that hinders us from crying out to God. It's the pride in our hearts that hold us back from reaching out to Jesus in our time of need. James tells us God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. We must learn to humble our hearts. We must learn to give up our pride. Number two. It's good water. Number two. Seek his purpose. As Jesus was entering into a very difficult time just before his crucifixion, he spent time in prayer. He was crying out to God. He was terrified. I mean, imagine. He knows he's about to be arrested, beaten, mocked, uh, 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 crucified, hung on a cross to die a slow, agonizing death. He's terrified. And he prays to God three separate times. Is there another way to do this? Can I get out of this? But then he says, but... Not my will, but your will be done. That can be a scary prayer. It requires a lot of trust to pray a prayer like that. But we know that God has the full picture. Our perspective is like like having our face pushed up against stained glass. Imagine your face is pushed up against one of these these stained glass windows. You can't see the full picture. You can just see color and kind of broken glass, but God has the full picture. It's a scary prayer, but God has never failed anybody, and he is not going to start with you. God has the full picture, and most of the time we do not, so we must seek his will. Number three, 
Remember God's power. Y'all like that alliteration? Pride, purpose, power. Matt, help me with that. That's why he shot me down. He came up with it. Oftentimes, we can see a problem or encounter a crisis, and it seems bigger than God. Oftentimes, we can't focus on the word God gave us because the wave is hindering our view of him. But we have to remember who God is and how powerful he is. Luke tells us, for nothing is impossible with God. Revelation 19.6 says, Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. God is all-powerful, and he reigns forever, and nothing is impossible for him. God is greater than any disease, any pandemic, any bad doctor's report, any bad news. God is greater than any crisis. But hear me now, I'm not saying he will get you out of it, but I am telling you he will get you through it. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into the fiery furnace for not worshiping an idol, God did not put the fire out, but he stepped in there with them. When Jesus was on the earth, God did not prevent him from suffering and dying, but he raised him from the dead. God may not pull you out of it, but he will never leave you and he will be with you in it. And so as we close, I want you to walk out of these doors knowing that you are loved by God. So much so that he was willing to enter into humanity in the form of his son, Jesus Christ, to die for you. You are loved and you are cared for. You are not forsaken. You are seen and known by the creator of the universe. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we are afflicted in every way but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We are struck down, but not destroyed. We may be in a crisis, but Jesus is still king. Crisis is our chance to cry out to a God who is always with us, and this crisis will pass, but will you remember that God is still with you? Will you remember to pray when you don't need him anymore? Will you rely on God after this passes? Will you rely on God in your everyday life? God wants a real relationship with you, not just one in a crisis. God wants to know you. So let's pray. Jesus, I wanna thank you for your grace and for your love and for your mercy. And thank you, Lord, that we can cry out to you and that you hear us and that you know us and that you see us. We're not just saying empty words that are falling on deaf ears, but we have confidence that as we approach your throne, you delight in hearing us and you hear us. And our world seems to be in turmoil right now and there's so much conflict and, and, and anger and hate. And, and obviously this, this COVID but be with us, be with your people. It says in your word that you will not abandon your people. And so if there's anybody in here that's feeling abandoned or feeling alone or feeling isolated or feeling just in despair, Lord, I ask that your presence would just be with them and that they would know that they can cry out to you. They can cry out to a God who is always with them. 
We thank you so much for that. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen, amen. amen.